Welcome to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. The Pharmacy Future Leaders is part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, focusing on pharmacy student perspectives, interviews, and the future outlook of our pharmacy industry. This is Nurse Keith of NurseKeith.com and RNFM Radio, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Tony Guerra, for the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcasting, broadcasting from the Health and Public Services Building on the DMAC Ankeny, Iowa campus. Connect with me on Twitter at Tony underscore PharmD, P-H-A-R-M-D, or on YouTube at Tony PharmD, where you can find over 700 pharmacy videos supporting my audiobook, Memorizing Pharmacology. Generally, we talk with innovative new pharmacy practitioners and soon-to-be pharmacy graduates, but today we have a special guest from Nursing Nation who is going to talk about some strategies that can help entrepreneurial pharmacists move forward. Today, we're going to be talking with Keith Carl. RNBSN NCBC. He has been a nurse since 1996 and is a well known blogger behind the award winning nursing blog Digital Doorway. He's the founder of Nurse Keith Coaching and NurseKeith.com. Keith is an editorial contributor for Working Nurse Magazine, LPN to BSNOnline.org, Multibriefs News Nurse Service, Nurse.com, Staff Garden, and ABUV Media, and has been a featured author in several nonfiction nursing books. Keith is the co host and co-founder of RNFM Radio, the most popular nursing podcast on the internet. He's also the host of the Nurse Keith Show, a podcast focused on savvy career advice for nurses and healthcare professionals. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you so much, Tony. It's great to be here. What a pleasure and a privilege. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, it's a little bit unusual for someone who's not a pharmacist to come on the Pharmacy Podcast, and uh, certainly uh, on Nursing Nation, it's it's about nurses for nurses. Uh, but I think that with all the interprofessional spaces that the colleges are, are teaching, uh, the students, that what do we do as practitioners? How do we connect? And I thought, um, having gone to the Examine Life Conference about three weeks ago uh, in Iowa City, where uh, physicians, uh, nurses, pharmacists all came together, more literary, um, uh, nonfiction, fiction, poetry, but still we have about 150 people in this common space. So I'm excited to have a nurse on the show, and I wanted to first just get to know a little bit more about you and uh, your professional background, and maybe you do have a connection to pharmacy. Maybe I do. So ask away and I will respond. Okay. So <laughs> let's uh, let's first start with um, when you started out as a nurse, you uh, have talked about in your podcast how you had a parent who was um, in the arts and then you followed that parent into the arts and then you moved into nursing uh, and spent almost a decade getting to that point. Um, so what was it that made you choose nursing over medicine or pharmacy or any other of the health careers? Hmm, interesting. Well, I was a young parent of a young child, and I needed to find a remunerative career that would help me beyond the massage therapy and yoga instruction and working in bookstores and all the other things I was doing as a college graduate with certifications but no college education. Uh, well, no college graduate education at that okay, time. I'd, okay. <laughs> I'd been an art school dropout a couple times, but I didn't actually have a degree under my belt. So 
there were a couple nurses in my family on my dad's side. So I'd heard lots of stories about nurses and I ended up having a next door neighbor who was a nurse who was quite instrumental in talking to me about the potential of the profession. So I looked at PT, OT, nursing. I didn't look at medical school mostly because of the time commitment and the financial commitment. It didn't seem like something that I was willing to undertake and becoming a doctor wasn't really on my bucket list. So nursing seemed like the shortest route to a profession where I could make decent money have lots of flexibility of time and schedule, also have a lot of flexibility in terms of what I decided to do over the course of my career because nursing is so diverse and you don't have to stay in one silo if you don't want to. And it also seemed like financially, it was the most simple to undertake in terms of loans and grants to be able to get through nursing school and start earning money within you know, several years of beginning. So all the pieces came together to point towards nursing and in some on some level to carry on the family tradition from my dad's side of becoming yet another nurse in the family. That's awesome. Uh, I had a grandparent who was a nurse. My mother-in-law is a nurse. My sister-in-law is a nurse. And uh, I ended up becoming a pharmacist. But we do have in common that we've been in practice for I would say you are on year 20 and I'm on year 19. So our our lives have uh, been mostly in healthcare, but both of us have done something, which is to move from traditional roles. The traditional roles in pharmacy or hospital and uh, retail. And recently you've moved completely out of a traditional role uh, into what is uh, coaching. And that kind of segues first into uh, what I want to talk about is your book, because uh, this is a quick way for someone who's uh, thinking about maybe reading about you uh, before uh, they listen to the podcast or something like that. But tell me a little bit about your book and how you got into what I believe is nurse career coaching. Um, And correct me if I I get anything wrong in terms of the actual syntax or or how I'm talking about it. Right. Sure. So having been a blogger since 2005 and blogging about nursing pretty assiduously since 2007 or so, I realized that there were things that nurses were interested in and well, mostly based on how they responded to my blog and the writing that I did. And as I started writing for other websites, because people started searching for nurse writers and they started picking up on the fact that I had a little bit of thought leadership out there in the interwebs that I might be a good person to bring on. So writing for other websites, I started getting a little more notoriety. And even though I wanted to start offering health and wellness coaching for nurses because I had burnt out and I knew what it felt like and knew what got me out of burnout, no matter what I said, no matter what I did or wrote, People kept asking me for career advice. Okay. So I decided to pivot from health and wellness because nobody seemed to want to spend money on their own health and wellness to career advice and career coaching. And I call my coaching holistic coaching because I don't just coach on resumes and interviews, though I'm actually quite good at that. I also delve into some of the deeper stuff that is going on for people. And coaching is not psychotherapy or counseling, and I do refer people to psychotherapy and counseling when I feel it's called for, but we can dive slightly shallowly into the issues that are coming up for them around self-confidence, self-worth, et cetera. So the coaching is interesting because it allows me the ability to 
help someone make a more satisfying career for themselves by helping them figure out where they're going or where they'd like to be in a few years and putting together the tools to get them there. But then also looking at some of the other issues that are up for them and helping them to decide, hmm, okay, that's not going to work for me, but I'm going to take this direction for myself. And that really helps them. And it helps me feel like I'm really doing something for professionals who need a little guidance. And it sounds like it's a little bit tough to have this conversation with anyone because you can't talk to the people at work about another job that you might be interested in because that might get to the employer or something like that. And you can't really talk to your friends. Uh, they might not be, they might be your friends, but are they going to give you that kind of advice? So it sounds like this third party advice is something that's really valuable and something that is really tough to get. Um, how have you established yourself or your credibility? Because Anyone can really call themselves a coach, but you mm -hmm. believe I have some certification. I don't know if we have necessarily those certifications in the pharmacy world, but you do. Okay. So let me just say my little thing about coaching. So coaching is a wholly unregulated entity in the United States. Let's just focus on the United States. There's no licensing. There's no liability, really. I mean, there there is liability, but there's no companies offering well, let's just say that it's unregulated. Sure. It's the Wild West, folks. <laughs> okay. So you, Tony, you mm -hmm. could tomorrow throw up a website on Foursquare or, or Wix or Weebly and say, I'm a coach. And that's perfectly fine. And there are lots of coaches out there who have no training whatsoever who do a really good job because they're natural coaches. However, there are organizations that have been jockeying for position as the leaders or the certifying bodies for coaches and like the International Coach Federation, those are great organizations that have created some standards and protocols which are really helpful and help consumers in terms of choosing a coach. So in terms of nursing, this is a long story, I'll make it super short. Barbie Dossie, Susan Luck, and some other nurses who've been in the holistic nursing field for decades decided they were going to codify what nurse coaches really are, what they do, and the, the skills that they need to have under their belt to actually be coaches. And they created, in concert with the American Nurses Association and the American Holistic Nurse Association, a designation of a nurse coach that is actually fairly rigorous and involves testing and certification process to get there. So nurses can go through all sorts of different fly-by-night or non-fly-by-night coaching trainings. I chose to become a board-certified nurse coach because it's actually recognized by the ANA. And that's super important to me as a, as a coach and as a professional. Okay. So... Uh, now I've uh, we've established that you're a coach. You've been coaching before. Uh, you're very transparent about your fees. They're on your website. Uh, we won't get into that necessarily, but I guess what I want to do now is kind of turn a little bit to what um, students who are graduating are looking at. Uh, pharmacy students. Uh, have gone through four years or three years, and the average debt is somewhere around 120, 150,000. And the first thing they think, or I imagine the first thing they think when they get out of school is find out that, well, you don't stop learning and that you may need to pay for coaching as well. And they say, well, I just paid 
these hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is, uh, where does the value come in for? I want to separate value into two different kinds of people. So there's the kind of person that says, "Where's my ROI? Where's the number? Where's the number that you know I'm going to get my money back and then some?" And then there's the other group that is more holistic. And uh, can you tell me? what kind of value someone gets from working with a coach? Absolutely. So in terms of career coaching or say people working with me specifically on their nursing or healthcare related career, look at it this way. You spend $120,000 on your career, you graduate, they push you out the door, they say, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) And I know from nursing schools, they do not teach a whole lot of career skills. So I have nurses come to me panicking after graduation they get their license and they have they're like deer in headlights they have no idea what to do and no fault of theirs so maybe in their professional development class if they had one maybe they wrote a resume maybe they wrote a cover letter sure maybe they put together a linkedin profile who knows but generally most people graduating from college don't have that much skill in terms of those types of pieces of the career toolbox that I think are important to have sharpened and ready to go. So when people come to me, I can help them straight out of school by putting together an effective, powerful resume, cover letters, all that kind of stuff, establish a brand for themselves using LinkedIn and other online format so that they can actually have a digital presence that shows them as professionals and also talk them through the process of interviewing and the process of networking, which I feel gets short shrift pretty much everywhere, especially in school. Nobody tells you to network with your professors and your fellow students, but networking is pretty important. Yeah. I just sat down on Friday. The way we, uh, Sometimes the way that we get students is we go to the local college of pharmacy and we actually go talk to the students. And we had that event last Friday at Drake University down here in Des Moines. And I talked to a lot of students and the advice I'm getting from the fourth years that are just about to graduate and the ones that had just graduated is that they started working on their social network about their second or third year. Uh, And that's when they really started um, building up uh, the collaborative pieces, the uh, trying to figure out where they should do these internships so that they can get the experience, but also the connections uh, that they need within uh, the field. And so while they're getting these connections, they establish a portfolio through their four years of uh, pharmacy school. And on I've listened to your podcast. You've talked about LinkedIn. You've talked about Staff Garden and a portfolio. Can you explain the difference between a portfolio, LinkedIn, and how someone that has four years worth of content, four years worth of reflection on their what they've gone through in pharmacy school, what they've learned, what they want for their own futures. Uh, How do you put that all together for the public within LinkedIn, which you can only put one thing really, and then is a portfolio different where maybe now you can have different uh, portfolios for different employers or different jobs that you may want? Because LinkedIn is very singular that way. And I know Microsoft just bought them. So if there's anything with that, um, please let us know. Right. And you're correct that LinkedIn was purchased by Microsoft. And I just watched a YouTube video the other day by a LinkedIn specialist who I trust that LinkedIn profiles are changing radically. It's being rolled out 
piece by piece, so not everyone is going to see the changes right away, but they will affect everyone eventually, probably within a few months, it sounds like. So the profile's changing, some for the better, some for the worse. <laughs> so yeah. be prepared, strap your seatbelts, folks, because <laughs> your, your profile's going to change and you won't like every aspect of it. However, some of it will be better. And I'm sure Microsoft and LinkedIn are going to get a lot of blowback and they may end up having to walk back some of the changes or keep tweaking it. And hopefully they'll be open to the feedback. So LinkedIn is an important platform. And the reason that it's important is one, every time you apply for a job in the 21st century, well, no, not every time, many times you apply for a job. One of the things your potential employer will do is Google you. And if they Google you, hopefully your LinkedIn profile will come up in the first couple hits on Google. And you want that profile to be a very solid, concise reflection of who you are as a professional and a person. And it's like, I call it sort of like a resume on steroids because on a resume, it's in the third person. It has to be very concise. You know, it's two, maybe three pages tops, maybe four if you're an executive. But you're keeping it fairly short and concise. On LinkedIn, you can go a little deeper your summary should be in the first person, in my humble opinion, and you can have testimonials from other people, and those people are actually putting their reputation on the line because their their picture and their profile is associated with the recommendation they've made for you, and that can empower your online presence by showing the number of people who trust you and why they trust you as a professional. Also... LinkedIn is a search engine. It's actually a search engine dis disguised as social media as far as I'm concerned. So if you want to be found, it's a great way to be found, especially if you populate your profile smartly with keywords for your industry and what you want to be found for. And it's also a good way to find people. And I could talk for hours about the ways in which you could use it in a savvy way to find other people. So LinkedIn is powerful. It's also powerful because you can publish your own blog posts on LinkedIn Pulse, which is the native blog platform on LinkedIn. And if you want to position yourself as a thought leader, even in the interest of the future of your career, it's a great place to blog and a great place to put out your ideas to demonstrate your leadership and the ways that you think about your profession. Okay, and uh, I keep asking you these questions because I have no interest in leaving my job. I hope to stay here uh, for 20, 30 years. Uh, Good but, for you. Yeah, and, and I, well, it it didn't start this way. So it's been, uh, you know, we once you get to about 20 years, you know, then then you've walked enough miles maybe and, and you say, okay. You. Uh, but I, I'm really just kind of fascinated that uh, Nursing Nation and Pharmacy Nation both have this kind of um, challenge, which is, all right, we've been educated, our boards are very clinical, and then we have this completely different skill set that we need to get the absolute job that we want. So you didn't talk anything about the portfolio or staff garden. Can you explain that to me? Because I really don't know what that means. Well, I've been working with an organization called StaffGarden.com, and they are specifically for nurses, sorry, pharmacists, and <laughs> maybe they will pivot into pharmacy or maybe someone else will pick up where they left off and start something for pharmacy. So the way StaffGarden works, and I do work for them, full disclosure, I write for them, is that they've created an online platform where nurses log on, they create for free a very robust e-portfolio 
with all of their information. They can even upload all of their documents, all their certificates and diplomas and everything to have them in a safe place. It's like a little cloud where you can keep everything. And then Staff Garden will share your portfolio only with employers that you give them permission to share with. So employers are realizing that, oh my God, if I put a if I put a job position opening on Indeed, how many applications am I going to get? How many resumes do I have Oh to my review? gosh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, so some hospitals like Children's Hospital of LA, for instance, are partnering with Staff Garden and similar organizations to say, let's look at a smaller, more select group of potential employees and look at that pool of people rather than putting all of this out on Indeed, for instance. So there are other platforms where you can look for positions. And I have to tell you, having spoken with and heard from a number of recruiters, healthcare recruiters, many of them are tired of combing through thousands of emails for every position. So there are recruiters, this is true, who are really only looking for candidates on places like LinkedIn. They go on LinkedIn, they scroll through, they have a premium account, they can see everything that you've posted, and they can target you for um, specific positions rather than put out an ad and have to go through 5,000 resumes or 10,000 resumes. So there are positions out there that are not getting posted that you will only be found by you if you are findable. Okay, so let's talk about being findable and, well, not maybe being findable, but let's talk about a little bit about networking because it's such a term that's thrown around just like leadership is thrown around is uh, this mm-hmm. kind of all-encompassing word. So um, when let's talk a little bit about your book and, the, and some of the maybe uh, high points of your book that uh, you give nursing lessons to nurses about networking and you first of all mentioned the 21st century so it's contemporary it's talking about what how we have to do it now and then um, talk a little bit about I guess some tips or things like that because I, I almost feel like it's something that people wait for and then they graduate and then they try to connect and that's really not the way to do it it sounds like these conventions that's the way to do it and it's to do it over time, uh, to build up slowly uh, for a strong foundation rather than let's get as many followers as I can over the next couple months or something like that. Exactly. Sure. So, so my book's called Savvy Networking for Nurses, Getting Connected and Staying Connected in the 21st Century. And I have to say, even though it's nursey, you know, it's niched for nurses because that's my niche, that it is actually useful for anyone in or outside of healthcare, because all of the basic information is there, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, face-to-face networking, et cetera. So everything is there that you would need in terms of basic networking in the 21st century. So my basic overall thesis is that professionals, in order to create an optimal career, they need to network and pretty much network assiduously all the time. And I talk about You don't just network when you go to a meeting. You network when you're at the dog park. You network when you're out to dinner. And I don't mean that you're manipulating people and trying to see who's hiring and who's who's hot at every given moment. The fact is that networking is just a part of life. You're sitting at dinner and the person next to you starts talking about 
the hospital where they work. And you realize just by some careful eavesdropping that that person actually works at a hospital you're interested in. And you lean over and say, by the way, and you can fill in the blanks here. So there are lots of ways to network. Those are sort of the more informal, like chatting with someone at the dog park and realizing, oh, we both have an interest in holistic health. How interesting. Or there's also networking that you do very specifically. Whereas, let's say you go on LinkedIn, you use their advanced search function, you look in your zip code and you look for people who are working in, let's say, hospice in your zip code and you reach out to four particular people who are doing something of great interest to you. That's targeted networking. Maybe you ask one of them for an informational interview because I just want to understand what it is that they do on a day-to-day basis. That's deep targeted networking where you're just chatting with a person about what they do because you want to make a connection and have an understanding of their world. There's other types of networking too, like you mentioned, conferences, seminars. There's lots of ways to network with people. And in my book, I make the point that you can choose the platforms that work for you. For people who are introverted, online networking can be a really useful way to get yourself out there without having to go face to face and, you know, work a room, which can be very hard for some of us, especially the introverts in the room. You're an introvert? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. But I, I like to speak with introverts and help them learn that they can actually network. They could just do it in a different way. And you don't have to network with everyone. Just one person is perfectly fine. So that's part of the point I make. And then I also talk about branding because personal branding is essential to your networking. You have to think about the experience people have when they interact with you. So that's the basic broad thesis of the book. And it walks people through all of the basics for them to create a networking, uh, I guess you'd say a way of life, the way they're going to approach their career and their career development. Okay. Well, in Pharmacy Nation, we are many times admissions committees approve people on their or approve applicants on their abilities in the physical sciences. So their ability in organic chemistry, regular chemistry, mm-hmm. biology, anatomy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, they're going to be extroverted enough to put themselves out there and talk about themselves. Uh, can you talk a little bit about something that I've, I've heard on your podcast, but, and it's not really tooting your own horn. You did a whole podcast episode on this, but just briefly, these students or these graduates may feel very, very, very uncomfortable talking about themselves in a way that is self-promotion, but without that self-promotion, they might not get the promotion or they might not get the job they want where someone who is maybe less qualified but more outgoing would. Uh, what, do you, what advice could you give someone who has the tools but is uncomfortable talking about themselves in that way? Great question, Tony. Okay. So in the 21st century, we have a pretty tight job market in many industries. And when you apply for a position, there are lots of people potentially applying for the same position. How do you make yourself stand out? So if you're writing a resume and you're uncomfortable tooting your horn and really highlighting the ways in which you are awesome and the ideal candidate for a position, how are you going to get noticed if you're not able to do that? So there are benefits to doing so. It can be done authentically. And I like to teach people how to do it authentically. And I like to work with people on that 
area of self-confidence and self-worth because when we go out into the professional world, we need to be able to put our best foot forward and be able to confidently look our patients in the eye and say, yes, I'm a professional and you can trust what I have to say. Sure. And if, and if you want the ability, if you want the privilege of standing in front of a patient and instructing them on, say, the use of their medication or whatever it is you're doing as a pharmacist, then you need to be able to convince an employer that they can trust you to represent them to that patient. Or if you're starting your own pharmacy or doing something in the entrepreneurial space aside from retail, you need to be able to talk about yourself in a way that doesn't feel self-congratulatory, but it's fairly matter of fact about your thought leadership, your areas of skill and intelligence, and the gifts that you bring to the table. And when you sit in an interview across from someone and they're looking in your eye, it's fairly easy to tell as the interviewer if that person is really confident or if they're really just, if they're not able to verbalize what it is that makes them who they are. So bringing that forward in your career is really important and it can it can start during school. It can start before you even graduate. But once you graduate, the rubber hits the road and you have to be able to brand yourself positively. No, this is great advice. Uh, my branding as a pharmacist would be the one that helps you memorize pharmacology and uh, a lot of nurses have picked it up. I think my book is number five or six in the nursing pharmacology, and I never bothered to think that, oh, nurses come from the biological sciences, the social sciences. Uh, it's a little unfair if a PhD is in the front of the room uh, in chemistry and trying to teach from the physical sciences. So uh, I have a mm. deep, deep uh, passion for the humanities meeting sciences. Uh, and um, what I guess I'm getting into now is, uh, so I crossed over and, and nurses uh, have bought my book. Um, I encourage uh, Pharmacy Nation to look at your book. Uh, ours are both on Kindle Unlimited, so they're free to anyone that has that uh, device. But what I want to talk about now is this network that you've sort of just announced, but you're rolling out over the next couple months. Uh, you and your trifecta had a pre-conference uh, podcasting seminar on on how to become podcasters and and you're working on building this network this big network can you tell me about this uh, network that's going to be bigger than rnfm radio itself sure of course and you know we launched rnfm radio back in early 2012 because we felt like we needed to create a voice for nurses to show that nursing was much broader than most people thought so we wanted to create this feeling and experience and paint a picture of the reality that nurses can do anything they want, that they can be entrepreneurs, they can be writers, artists, filmmakers. It doesn't really matter what they choose. They can still hold on to their identity as a nurse. So other podcasts have popped up. All three of us have launched our own and we decided that a network was the smartest way to go because we'd like to create a one-stop shop for people to be able to find podcasts by healthcare providers. So the Pulse Media Network, which is hopefully going to launch this month, November of 2016, is going to be like, you could say, Pandora for healthcare podcasts that will eventually have an app on the phone where someone can click on the app, open it up, and there will be all of the different podcasts that are part of our network. And we want cross-pollination between all of the different disciplines. We want 
pharmacist podcasters, PTs, OTs, SLPs, nurses, doctors, um, anyone working in the healthcare space because other healthcare providers want to hear your stories, other people in other industries want to hear the stories, and the general public wants to hear them too. And we want to have a very broad array of podcasts, some might even be fiction podcasts, based would, on he- health care. That would be uh, absolutely great, uh, working with uh, the Examine Life Conference in the Iowa City and, and going mm-hmm. there and listening to... Uh, we have this great event. Well, I don't I say we, but I attended the event. And 20 health practitioners would get up and either do uh, five minutes of poetry, five minutes of fiction, five minutes of nonfiction. And what happened was you completely lost the type of health practitioner they were. The title was no longer there. It was not nurse or doctor or pharmacist or anything like that. It was simply health professional and giving a story about a patient or their own experience. And I just, you know, you can't get enough of it. So we ended up having 30 or 35. There's a, there's a ton of them. But, and I think that, that absolutely speaks to uh, what you guys are doing. Can you talk about, um, or just at least give us the names of your partners in crime? So I, I, I know innovation and then the next shift, um, with Elizabeth and Kevin, right? Right. So we have Your Next Shift, which is with Elizabeth Scala. She's mm-hmm. one of my podcasting partners in crime, as you said, and she's a co-host on RNFM Radio. Then we have The Innovative Nurse Show with Kevin Ross. He's a serial nurse entrepreneur, okay. and he's one of the co-founders of RNFM Radio. Then we have my show, The Nurse Keith Show, and then we have RNFM, which is basically the the flagship show because that's where it all began. There's other nurses who I can't mention right now who are actually starting to produce their shows and those are going to be brought online hopefully this month. And then we're starting to pitch this idea to other podcasters such as yourself who want to join the network. And we see it as a way of a rising tide lifts all ships that if all of us are branded together under the network, then more sponsors will find us, more listeners will find us, and there'll be this picture for the public, too, that, oh, look at all these different healthcare providers working together and podcasting as a group. And it'll give this feeling of multidisciplinary practice and thought, which I think is important for the public to get, for them to see that. No, I'm I'm actually very very excited about it. I I listened to all three of yours and then uh, RNFM. So uh, it's just I as a marathoner, I have plenty of time uh, to listen, <laughs> and uh, so it's been it's been really great. Well, I've gone way over how long a podcast should be, uh, so, but uh, so I'm just going to ask you, uh, what's the best way that someone could contact you uh, if they were interested in talking to you? Sure. I mean, the easiest way is to go to nursekeith.com and then they can find my podcast, my blog, my contact information, and they can email me at keith at nursekeith.com. And I'm on all the social platforms, Pinterest, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. So they can find me there on Facebook. So I'm very visible, very easy to find. If you Google Nurse Keith, it won't be hard to locate me. Okay, well, you're you're walking the walk. If you're easy to find and you're coaching people on becoming easy to find, then they can see that it's uh, uh, you're clearly um, clearly a thought leader in what we we talk about branding. We talk about 
uh, networking, but it sounds like uh, listening to your podcast, reading your blog, reading your book, all of these things, uh, talking to you maybe through coaching, all these things will lead someone to hopefully uh, the job that they are really passionate about and that they won't miss out on something like that. Well, Keith, I really appreciate you being on the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you, Tony. I really appreciate it. It's a privilege and an honor. And thanks to all of your listeners for tuning in. You've been listening to the Pharmacy Future Leaders segment of the Pharmacy Podcast. If you're interested in being on the Pharmacy Future Leaders, tweet out to me at Tony underscore PharmD. And if you're interested in sponsoring an episode, contact Todd Yuri at PharmacyPodcast.com. We thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. Be sure to share the show with the hashtag Pharmacy Future Leaders.